Father, I, I just thank you for your word, that it's truth. Lord, let the spirit of your um, son be in us in great power. Lord, I pray that you'd enlighten our mind, our eyes, Lord, according to what your spirit would say to us. Lord, we want to know you. We want to walk with you. And Lord, we recognize that our own weakness, Lord, will hold us back. Our flesh will hold us back. Lord, the, the youthful points of control on our past will hold us back. Our fear will hold us back. And I pray, Lord, that you'd make us men and women of God of courage and of sound mind. Lord, that you would bring us, Lord, uh, to the, those paths, to those roads that are narrow, but that lead to life. And uh, I pray for your grace, Lord, as we come to the crossroads. Lord, another crossroads, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to make the right decisions. Lord, to lean on you and not our own understanding. And so make your scriptures come to life. In Jesus' mighty name, do I hear an amen? Amen. amen. I promise you that this message will end on a very good note. <laughs> no, this is not an uh-oh. But I am preaching part uh, through a Jeremiah and how many know that Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet? You know, he's the, considered the second uh, major prophet according to Christianity and Judaism. Um, and also even Islam recognizes Jeremiah as one of the major prophets. Um, so he's a pretty indisputed prophet. He's also uh, the one after the kingdom of Israel split into the kingdom of Judah and Israel. Um, he's basically watching over the land, and he's one of the warners of the people of Israel and the people of Judah to repent and turn to God. Uh, many of you know that the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, came in there and basically sacked um, Israel, um, and uh, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Judah, and basically tore, tore them down. And of all the people that were treated poorly... You know, Jeremiah was flogged by his own countrymen when he warned them. He came to them, and they beat him up many times. Um, he was flogged. He was buried. He was all kinds of things. He was buried up to his neck. Um, he had a lot of different uh, things that happened to him. But when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians finally came, God's judgment finally came. Um, he was treated very well by the Babylonians. They took care of him. He kind of had his own little penthouse area and had servants under his own command. It encourages me that just in case our country goes downhill, I think God's going to take care of me. Amen? How many think he's going to take care of you? And you might look up and go, hey, there's the minister of the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, you are the minister of the Lord. We are all ministers of the Lord. We all have the Spirit. Do I hear an amen? amen. Isn't that true? You know, we have, we have different, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We have gifts of leadership and pastoral ministry. You know, the word poiman under shepherd is is not just used for one elder. It's used for a lot of different leaders and people inside the church. Jeremiah, he also wrote the book of Lamentations. Um, when, when I first became a Christian, my, my wife is the one who led me to the Lord. We weren't married at the time. Um, but she told me, why don't you read the Gospel of John? So I'd read the, read, the, read the Gospel of John, and then she'd say, I go, now what? And she goes, well, like, why don't you read you know, the book of Proverbs? So I read the Proverbs, and and, and, you know, I was so unsure of being saved and what that meant that, you know, I'd read a book and at the end of the book I'd go, am I still saved? You know? And I go, and she goes, she goes well, she goes, Jeremiah is a difficult book. You kind of have to understand it in the context. And she, she was trying to explain it to me. And she goes, I probably wouldn't read that right away. So obviously, 
I read it right away. <laughs> and I saw the despair and happening. And, and, and I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on? Then I thought, you know, he's punishing them for all these things. And I, then I looked at my own life and I said, I'm in trouble. Because if this is true, I am in some serious trouble. I have to have some serious repentance. And how many know that God sometimes uses those warnings to actually get a hold of you? I didn't lose my salvation as I went to the book of Jeremiah. My salvation was intact because my salvation was never in Eric. It was always in Jesus Christ and the cross. And how many know that Jesus is strong and secure? And, and he will not fade. And when we are accepted, we are accepted. So let no one feel condemned. Having said that, be encouraged, be corrected, be, be exhorted by the Lord. God brings us to a crossroads all the time. And it's okay to know that you're wrong about something. It's okay to be humbled. It's okay to become more teachable. Um, you know, I've had many leaders through the years tell me, he said, whenever, whenever you're raising up a leader, Eric, always look for teachability. Is this person a teachable person? Not just to you but are they teachable in general? You know, the Lord is always talking about his instruction, isn't he? I'm not talking about a robotic person who lords over other people and is lorded over. I'm talking about just coming to the word and growing and accepting the challenges that God has for us. You think this is important? Understand that Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem. He does not want it to fall under enemies' hands, and he's warning the people over and over. And, you know, there's a scripture that says, and this is God's personal message to Jeremiah, he says, attack you they will, overcome you they can't. You know, they can't overcome you, Jeremiah. You'll be fine. And God will, he'll take care of his people. And those that are walking in rebellion, he'll discipline them if, they're, if, they, if they call him his God. And if not, then he will draw them near through other circumstances. But we all want to be drawn near to God. Do I hear an amen on that? Um, Jeremiah, so while this is a sad story, it's, it's a good story because God will take care of you no matter what the circumstances today. Um, I'm really focusing on finding the ancient paths. We're going to come to a crossroads, and Jeremiah is going to come to a crossroads, and he's going to exhort the people to find life. Now, if you are a Christian, you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Okay, You know that. If you're not a Christian, you don't know that. You've just heard me tell you that's what the gospel and the good news message is. It's one of forgiveness and redemption. And there's part of it is acknowledging that you need forgiveness. Raise your hand high if you need forgiveness. Raise both hands if you need lots of forgiveness. Okay, so now you know. Put your hands up. So this is how it is in worship. Now just put your head up and go praise the Lord. Lord. See, it isn't that hard, right? It's just an act of surrender. Praise the Lord. And, and, And the thing is, is that, you know, God is going to plead with them and tell them, basically, I want you to find life. And you can just turn to the slide, this first one. And this really is a summary, okay? He says, when the people ask, and they're gonna ask, because they're all of a sudden, they're going to disregard God's ways. They're going to disregard what he says about love. And they're just going to take. They're going to disregard what he says about teachability. And they're going to be prideful and think they know everything. You know, what do you give, what do you, how do you instruct the person who already knows it all? You know, he's going to go to the, the person, you know, who is, you know, isolated. 
and try to open them the relationship, but they're going to reject it. And, and, it's, and they're going to say, why has the Lord our God done all this to us? God already anticipates this. They're going to say, God, how come you did this? You know? I mean, we've come up here as pastors and leaders and said, make serving the Lord number one. How many have heard us say that? Make serving the Lord one. Why serve an idol first? You know? Or at all? Why not put God first in your life? Is that, do you think that's a pretty simple thing? Making God first in your service, in your heart. Make God first with your time and your resource. You know, we dedicate kids up here. Give your kids unto God and say, Lord, this is your, your son, your daughter. And raise them up in the ways of the Lord. These are ways that we give ourselves over to God. And, but, but at the end, then when we see the consequences, we say, why has God done this to us? You know, it's kind of like you run into the wall on your own and then you say, why did God break my nose? Right? Now, I have good news for you at the end, but I, I think the scripture needs to have its full weight laid out in the order that it is. He says, and you'll tell them, this is he said, as you have forsaken me, in other words, as you disregarded me, and instead of serving the God that you claim, he's my God, you serve what the foreigners, the people around you, what they serve, what they worshiped, you worship that. You put that first. I was supposed to be first, but the NFL was first, or something was first. And I don't know what, and I'm not saying the NFL is evil. I'm just saying nothing should be before God. That's why we call it the first fruit of everything that we are. Do you agree with this? Do you think the scripture teaches this? Now, how many know we need the grace of God for this? Okay, so he's saying, why have you forsaken me? And he says that the same way that you forsook me and started serving these foreign gods, he goes, in your own land. In other words, I gave you a place. I gave you a place of provision. I gave you a place to exercise your giftings. I gave you a place to be prosperous. But instead, you served these foreign gods. You served what they served. Your lives and their lives were the same. There was nothing to set you apart. Holiness means to be set apart. And he says, and then you're, then you're going to blame me. Why has the Lord done this? He goes, but just like you forsake it and serve them, guess what I'm going to do? So now you will serve the foreigners. I'm going to exchange you. Now you're going to be in the land that was yours. It's now theirs. And now because you serve their gods, you're going to serve them. You're going to be submitted under their priesthood, under their leadership. You're going to be put underneath. I don't know about you, but I reject this because I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. How many say amen? amen. Listen, do you feel, how many feel challenged by this? Do you want me to soften it up a little bit? No. That doesn't matter. It's whatever you do. Just do whatever you want. Let's just sin and you'll just get more grace. Right? And that's Romans 6. And we do get the grace, don't we? But let's not make the pursuit of sin so that grace will somehow abound our pursuit. Let's make the pursuit the righteousness of God and look for his power to accompany us. Amen? This is how he starts. This is the warning. Then he's going to bring this into a confrontation to them to tell them, I want you to find the right road. How many want to be at the crossroads and find the right road? Right? And let me tell you, you don't, it's not like you see these two roads. This one goes over here. This one goes over here. You go, oh, I'm going to go over here. Or I'm going to go over there. We kind of live in one road that is our life. That's the road we see. And sometimes we're making bad decisions. We don't see that the road is wrong because we only see the road that we're on. 
But there are many crossroads where you choose death or you choose life. And I'm not talking just about salvation. If you found Jesus Christ, God will bring you to the end. Amen? But that doesn't mean we don't have the journey. So let's start with number one. And I'm going to just say this. God's voice doesn't matter. Does it matter? Does it matter his voice? Does it matter what he says? Are you listening? Are you a listener to God's voice? You come, I, and I, I tell you, I, I've been pastoring, I don't know how many years, but probably, probably close to 20 years and a little bit longer. And, I, and I, I think how many times I talk to people and they go, hey, pastor, I just want to tell you what I'm doing. And I go, okay. And they go, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, I, and I'll say like, well, well why? I, I don't know. I just felt like it'd be a good idea. You know, or I just, you know, I just, I don't know. It's like, you, you know, I, I, I just, I like, I like this person, so I, they make me happy. Okay. What, what, what does God say about it? Well, you know, it's like the guy who walks in the porn shop and he goes, well, I, did, I prayed about it, didn't really hear of anything. <laughs> Don't we already know that thou shalt not commit adultery? Don't we know that already? Oh, yeah, I went, I went down the street and I killed him. I prayed about it. I wasn't sure if the Lord was for it. How many know that it says, thou shalt not kill in the scriptures? How many know that? And I know there's provisions for submitting to the governing authorities and the self-defense of your nation. And if someone comes in your house, you know, you need to defend yourself or whatever. But just not outright murder. How many know these things are written in the text already? How many have heard, shall meditate on thy words day and night? How many have heard that? How many feel you can grow in this day and night, right? This is something in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, just kind of meditate on the Lord's ways. This is what the Lord says. This is how Jeremiah, Jeremiah is coming to him. This is what the Lord says, because they are going to answer the Lord. You're going to hear their answer, and I'm going to ask you to really think about it before you answer God. But blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You know, where you're walking, where you're standing, where you're sitting right? With mockers, it just increasingly gets more evil. It's the wicked and the mockers. You know, they're the ones that go, come on, I don't care what that pastor said, it just sounds stupid. It's a mocking it. But his delight is in the law, that's the Hebrew word for Torah, or instruction, the instruction of the Lord, and on his instruction, he meditates day and night. God's voice doesn't matter, Number two, look, there are two roads. Look at how God says it. Now, he brings them there, and he says, now stand at the crossroads. There is two paths here. There's one going this way. It's life. There's one going this one. This is heartache. Yes, you'll be my people, but you'll be in captivity. Yes, you'll be mine, and I'll call you the beloved, but yet you will rule. You won't live in a land your own, and you'll always be the borrower. Not, I mean, the lender or the, yeah, the one who borrows, not the one who lends. You know, you'll be the, the tail instead of the head. God's saying, walk in my ways. This is death and this is life. You know, the fruitfulness of the vine. Abide in me, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Stand at the crossroads and look. And this is an Isaiah who has a very similar ministry. He says, though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink. And that's the way it happens. How many have had some adversity for their food lately? You know, God's using it. He says, he'll still be with you to teach you. 
And he goes, so whether you turn to the right or to the left, listen, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You wake up in the morning and you're going, things did not go the way I planned 10 minutes ago. You know, I wanted the bathroom to be empty. Now there's a kid in it. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? And then you're going, I am going to complain or I'm going to knock on that door. You know what I mean? You can knock on the door. Hello. Or come on, what's going on? It's like, how many know that's a crossroads right there? I can be thankful or I can be ungrateful. You know, I can, I can live by faith and trust that God's got things under control or I can doubt and fear and put my control back in myself. I mean, those of you who are your own God and you're in charge of your whole life, good luck. You can't even make molecules do anything. You know what I mean? Except for by your motion. I mean, you got molecules in here, but you don't really control them. Well, I control them with diet and exercise. You can't, you know, if you really understood the genetic material, you can't even place the amino acids in the right order if you wanted to. It's genetically driven. I mean, there's some really amazing things in the, in the ribosome engine that determines the function of the way these cells work. You are subject to the cars around you, and you live in Utah where they don't understand the merge concept, <laughs> right? Joni and I take one trip back to California. We're about to get on the road, and they all slow down so you can get in. I do that in Utah. They're like, you aren't getting in. Get behind me. Has <laughs> anyone else experienced that? <laughs> Turn to someone and say, you're that driver. But this voice behind you, the Lord's saying, and that's in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he's saying, there's going to be a voice behind you telling you. The Lord now in the New Testament is saying, I will be the prophet leader in you to tell you to turn to the right and to the left. And he goes, and then, I love this, you're going to destroy your silver idols. When you know the Lord's with you, the idols look ridiculous, don't they? Look five years back, or if you've been walking with the Lord that long. And think of the last idol that God crushed in your life. Do you miss it? Do you really miss it? I mean, what value did it give you back then? You know, and may, you know, maybe you've taken some pills that you know, took away the pain for a little while, but it doesn't help in the long run, does it? Because eventually you've got to deal with yourself and you've got to deal with reality. Isn't that true? And it says you'll throw them out like filthy rags. In the Hebrew, it's menstrual. Menstrual rags, NIV gives it a nice... Filthy rags. But it's the menstrual rags saying to them, good riddance. No one holds on to those and puts them on the bookshelf. Right? You get rid of them. You throw them out and you make sure it's sanitized and you cover it. Isn't that true? I'm going to say amen. See, you said amen to menstrual rags at church. Okay? Watch what the Lord's saying, though. This is what he's saying, though. He's saying, I'm bringing you to this place, now these crossroads, and I want you to stand there. And I just want you to think, watch me as the example. And he goes, and I want you to look. Okay, take a look. Look, there's two roads. You can go this way or that way. Number three, and he's going to tell them what to do. You need to start by asking. And he says, listen, when you stand there, don't go, well, let me calculate what the best way is. Don't start going, well, let me go on Google to find out. Don't do analysis paralysis. Don't do the kind of stuff that just figure it out. He says, ask. Ask for the ancient paths. 
Lord, what is the way that has always worked? You know, and it's hard to, to even respect ancient paths. I don't think that people respect age in our culture. You know, when the elders are among us, we should rise and give them honor. Amen? If there's an elder in this church and they're walking around you and you're in line to get coffee, you say, you go before me. Right? You give them the respect. And, and maybe they're not a perfect elder. It doesn't matter. Rise in their presence. God honors them. You ought to as well. Amen? The ancient paths. It's the old ways that work. I don't care how modern technology is. And, you know, I, I said this in first service, but we, you know, they started off with, you know, the old phones where, you know, you had to dial everything. And then I remember texting first came out, and I just skipped texting because it was like you, dial, you hit the three if you want an E, and then you hit it twice if you wanted an F. And it's kind of like I tried that two or three times, and I said, forget it, I'm calling them. Hey, I just want to tell you I'm coming over two hours later. Just like, hey, I'll be over there. Bye, bam. <laughs> right? And then I finally learned texting, and now you can't do it while you drive. <laughs> That's the one place I need it is when I drive. So the, my phone has this thing, Siri, this technology, Right? And, and you, it's on the Apple, and, I, and, I, and so I, cl- I click on I just hold on it, and it goes ding, and then I just go, um, so I start my text, you know, hey, I'd like to go over there, and it just goes, you want to buy an umbrella from the zoo? And so I go slower. I would like to g- go to the market, and you know, then you turn over to someone else next to you, and you're like, you look like a complete idiot, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> and and, and the, the people drive by, and it's some older couple, and they go, I don't know what it is, but I don't think that guy likes someone named Siri. <laughs> he hates her guts. And it's not Siri Mancher. She's awesome. But, 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 but this technological Siri, not the, not the human flesh one, you know? But listen... Then when you have the iPhone 3, then you want the iPhone 4. And so then when you have the iPhone 4, which is I have, now you see everybody with their iPhone 5. You know what I mean? But that's not good enough. Then you guys, then you have the people with their Samsungs now, and they go, look how big this thing is. It's like a brick. I play Frisbee with this thing in between. You know, and then, then I read one, a new technology one. There's one that comes out that's 41 megapixels camera. I don't want anyone to take my picture with a 41 megapixel camera. I want the old black and white with some airbrush, you know. <laughs> Turn my camera on auto airbrush, you know, however it works. But no matter how much technology gets better, It's still the same things about integrity. Integrity matters no matter what phone you have. Trusting God matters no matter what phone you have. Understanding his word doesn't make any difference when you're reading it on this or you're reading it in a piece of paper or you got it on your phone. It's what's the Lord doing in the heart of who you are. Are you loving instead of taking, right? Right? Are you providing rather than stealing? 
It's the simple things. Are you generous instead of being a tightwad? Or, you know, being a miser, which is, miser is the root word from the word miserable, right? Being a miser. And and I think, are you generous with the people that are around you? Ask for the ancient paths because they work. This is God. Look at the crossroads. Ask for the paths that have always worked according to my promises. Ask, and then he clarifies it more, where the good way is. This is the good way. I want my family to get closer together. Well, take them to Lagoon. That'll help. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with going to Lagoon. But if you're trying to solve your family problems, go to the Word of God. Right? Go to a marriage class. Go to a family class. Go to a small group and get your kids in community and let your kids, after they've been in community, come back and go, oh, Dad, I confessed my sin. It was great. I needed to. And you go, thank God there was community for my children. Thank God there was community for my youth group. You know, thank God that God was discipling me in his word where I I heard that scripture today. I would have told my boss this, but now that I heard the scripture, I told my boss that. How many have seen that? You, you could have told your wife this or your, your husband, but, but you didn't because something changed. The word of God changed you. Have you ever not done the ancient path and all of a sudden saw where the bad road was and came back and said, man, I blew it, right? And you saw the power of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness took your life and it went wah, wah. However powerful you think unrighteousness is, righteousness has much more power. Five minutes of righteousness will overwhelm 10 years of unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? It really will. There's a multiplication. All oh, the sins go down to the third and fourth generation. But hey, if you love in the Lord, it's going to go a thousand generations. Blessings, good things. How many want to see blessings to your thousandth generation? Oh, I know. I, trust me, I, I follow the Christian culture and, and the churchianity today. And, you know, where, and the news and where everybody thinks everything's going. We're the final, the, America's going down in the next five years. Listen, can I tell you, my hope's not in America. I like America. They got a cool army. They got cool army uniforms. <laughs> right? I love the country. I'm a, I'm a loyal, I'm the loyalist patriot you know. I am loyal. Can I tell you, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. We're going to prosper. If God wants to bring hard times to America, he's going to prosper us. And we're going to find blessing. And it'll probably be harder to find food. And I'll finally reach the weight I need to reach. (laughs) I'm waiting for the apocalypse. I'm going to lose like 80 pounds. (laughs) The rest of you that started at the right weight, you're going to go, I should have ate more McDonald's. I'm going to be like the bear who went into hibernation. I got stuff stored up for the next generation. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. How many want to do this? Raise your hand. You want to. In sincerity. In sincerity. You really want to. You want to ask the Lord? Stand. Look. Ask. Ask where it is. Ask and it will be given you. Seek. You'll find. Knock. It'll be open to you. There's that acrostic. Ask. You can always remember it. Ask it, God. And then start walking, number four. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And just a simple thing. This is not a perfection. Like, do it perfectly. You know, just do it perfectly the first time. No. And walk in it. 
Walk in the ways. You see the ancient paths. You've not been down that road before. You don't understand it. You've not found success. It may seem foreign. Maybe there was a religious world you were a part of that made this a very religious do that or die. And and you're so afraid of the good path because it's been presented in such a religious way. When God's just saying, I made you. This is the way of life. You know, how many enjoy breathing? It's a really, you know, if you've ever been on oxygen or anything like that, been short of breath, you know what it's, how amazing it is just to breathe. Breathing is something that if someone commanded it to you, you would not go, well, why are they telling me to breathe? No one tells me to breathe. I'll breathe if I want to. That's stupid, isn't it? Breathing you do because it's good for your heart and mind and your body and your blood flow. But so is walking in the ancient paths. And listen, walk in it, and you'll find what? You're going to find rest for your souls. It's peaceful. Walk in God's way is a blessing. Sometimes Jody and I, I look, and we're watching what God is doing. And, and, you know, this happened to us just the other night. Maybe it was last night or the night before. And she's going, I'm so excited. I can't believe everything that God's doing. And it wasn't just that God was doing stuff in us. It was watching God work in others. Watching God doing things. Watching God working in our kids. I love watching my boy play drums. You know, or, my, my, or watching Adam, you know, just expressing himself. You know, Adam just reminds me of someone who will wrestle down a tiger and win. Doesn't he? Like he'd probably stick his, his mohawk right into the tiger's mouth, right? Destroy him with hairspray. I don't know, but, you know. But Adam, Adam's a man of God, Amen. And guess what? God's molded him in his own unique way. He's got a tender heart for God, right? And, and, and you just, and I, and I look at these guys up here, you know, what God's done in Mary, you know, and just raising her up and the gifting she's given her. And we're excited about that, aren't you? Right? God is good. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what? Do what it says. And this is what the Lord says. Ask for the ancient paths, right? Ask what the good way is. This is how. If you're too impatient, I'm just going to do it. I got to get going. I got to this. I got no time. I got to go. Then I got this. I got a job. Listen, you need to lighten up your schedule. If you've ever seen a book, you know, all the, all the letters written on it, there's always room for the margins, isn't there? And the reason is if you just had text over the whole page, it doesn't look good, Right? You need to have a little space. It makes the reading better. So it is with our life. We need to have margins. We need to make sure we leave room for God. And go ahead and put that next one on. I took this concept paths, and I took, took four attributes that I thought were very good general ones as examples um, with the word path. Can you say the word peace? Here, here's a good path with God. I want the ancient path. Am I at peace with God? We know since we've been justified by faith, an imputation of faith. In other words, a faith credit us, us righteousness from God, that we have peace with God by what he did. How many say amen? It's not by grace, that we're, by works that we're saved, but by grace. So we have peace with God. But how many know even in that peace, when we start to live it out, that we don't always feel the peace of God when we're not walking in his righteousness? How many have experienced this? You have to ask yourself this, and this is a real simple one. Am I at war with God's voice right now? 
Am I fighting him? Am I battling him? God says, do this. You go, yeah, but God, I have to do this. He goes, I want you to think about this. Yeah, but Lord, I need to think about this. Are you at war with him right now? That, you, that your heart hasn't been humble, right? That you've been listening to him. You're not at peace. Or you just pick some sinful attitude or some sinful behavior and you just said, I, I just can't stop this or I won't quit this, whatever it is. And you're just not at peace with God. Listen to what he says. I'll listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Let them not return. And there's so much promises with peace. You know, we have peace with God if we follow his principles. You know what I mean? If this is the way of wickedness, he's saying, don't take that road. Take a different road where it's not right near you and you're tempted by it. You know, when I was a a drug dealer, you know, there are certain parties that I'd have to avoid, even in evangelism until God cleaned up a certain part of my heart and my soul so there was no dependence there. And now I feel very comfortable. I could walk probably, and I don't want to be prideful, but I I believe that God has strengthened me in such a way that I could walk pretty much anywhere and not be tempted by it in the same way. But the proper thing is flee temptation. How many say amen? It's, you know, Jesus can walk amongst those who are struggling with things and love covers over a multitude of sins. And he who wins souls is wise, but be careful when you're working with someone that you yourself are not tempted and enticed and drawn in and all of a sudden you experience measures of death in your soul. We want life. And the next one is attitude. I mentioned it earlier, so I won't spend a whole lot of time. Attitude. You know, the the old analogy is this. In an airplane, you know, as you're flying like this, when the air comes underneath, it, it raises up if, if your nose of the plane is up and the air flows this way, it'll naturally just move the plane up. The plane is trying to get a certain speed, and then the flaps are going down so that when the air hits it, the, the plane goes up. And as you put the nose up of the plane and the air hits it, the plane goes where? It goes up. Same with your attitude. You start to have your attitude up. You've been with the Lord. The Lord says so many times, lift up your heads. Lift up your, lift up your heads. I had one time a leader came to me and gave me a word from the Lord and he just came up to me and he grabbed my head and he just pulled my head up and he said, the Lord said, keep your head up. Real simple thing. And then he held it up there for it and he says, I'm not, you're not holding it alone. There are others that are with you. And so it is with your life. You have friends around you. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your what? Teach me your what? Your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. Be teachable. You don't know everything. Just say it with me. Just say, I'm wrong. Just, just practice it. Just say, I'm wrong. Well, just try a different one. Just say, I blew it. Here's another one that will help you a lot in life. That was my fault. Just say it again. Say, that was my fault. Okay, I want you to remember the last argument you had with your spouse. If you're here with your spouse, just look at her and just say, or him, and just say, that was my fault. Go ahead. Boy, when it became practical, it just lost all its power, didn't it? (laughs) When it was a sermon, it was awesome. I am wrong. I am this. I am that. Who left the dishes in the sink? I didn't do it. And I always told my kids, because I'd get all my kids out there, and they'd go, I didn't do it. All four of them would line up, and i go, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. i go, Joe, did you do it? they go, no. And i go, well, 
and we have gnomes. And that'd be my phrase. I go, the gnomes did it. And so who do you discipline? I just discipline them all. You're all cleaning it. I'll be down the stairs watching the football game. No. How many know we have to all chip in, right? Am I teachable? Attitude. How many need to grow in your attitude? Be honest. Be honest. Let me encourage you. Take the ancient path. The path that's hopeful, that's victorious, that's humble, it's teachable. It's got a positive attitude. Nothing worse than working with someone who is always negative. It's not doing good. The job's no good. My work's no good. And the pay's no good. Listen, do you think God's going to bless your grumbling and complaining? I think you need to read the Old Testament again. Those who grumbled and complained got what they expected. Why not have a new outlook and say, God is going to do great things? Just say it with me. Say, God is going to do great things. Right? If he's got a new job for you, you don't think he can handle it? I think God's holding the lightning and all those things and all every molecular and, you know, every, every part of the universe, every electron in his hand. You don't think that God's going, I don't know if I can get them a new job. I can't control the boss. Really? He can raise up kings and lower them. He can make Nebuchadnezzar this king of Babylon who's taken over Judah, and he's going to make him crawl on his hands and knees for seven years thinking he's an animal because of his arrogance and leading all of his people in his continued year refusal that said, no, God, I'm not doing it. And God said, I'll show you. And you watch Nebuchadnezzar's prayer at the end when he wakes up. And he goes, now I realize that you are the sovereign God over all things. And you might know an arrogant non-believer says, I don't need to believe in God. One day you will stand before the living God. And he is almighty and all-powerful. And you won't stand just in your own integrity. You will stand if you stand in the righteousness that is Jesus Christ. You will stand behind him. You'll be clothed in him. And that's where your faith needs to be. Am I teachable? Am I thankful? I mentioned this. Give thanks to the Lord Almighty. Why? Because the Lord is good. You might be in the midst of the trial and say, I don't know if the Lord's good. Why would he let this happen? Why? Listen, God is good. You may not see every detail. Let it play itself out. Watch what the Lord will do. But why be miserable until the end of the trial and go, oh, God did have it all in control. Why not rejoice at the beginning of the trial? Amen? I'll restore the fortunes of the land as they were before. The Bible says, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Listen, he delivered you out of the depth. You called for help and he healed you, right? He brought you out of the the grave. He spared you from going down in the pit, etc., etc. How many have the Lord has turned your mourning into dancing and singing? How many would say that of the Lord in your life? He's given you a joy. So just say, Lord, I give you thanks. Give him thanks. And then heart, the last one here on this one. Am I devoted? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Are you devoted to God? This is the ancient path. It's the, it's the first commandments when the stones come out and the children of Israel are like, What? We haven't heard about God for hundreds of years. We've been captive to the Egyptians, the pharaohs and the Egyptians. We've been making their statues. 
and all their stuff. And when their masters came down, we brought their stuff to feed their kids and we took care of everything. We were the slaves. And then all of a sudden they find freedom and the first commandment comes down and he reads it. Love the Lord with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. Why? Because he loved you and delivered you out of that. Did he not? Didn't the powerful God deliver you and will continue to deliver you? Give him thanks. Give him your heart and devotion. He is worthy of it. This is something that I don't think is obvious right away. But you might think to yourself, well, I don't worship God that much. He's not really first in my life, but I don't really have anything. Trust me. Whatever it is that you have before him is your God. That is your God. Just put a little G on it. Picture that thing right now that you love more and devote more heart to than God. You serve it more. You do more with it. That is what your God is. We are made to be worshipers. We will worship. Satan wants that worship. The world wants to worship. The world's ways want its worship. I mean, I watch these football teams because I'm into sports, and I, I watch them. They have these big celebrations. They have parades. You know, they have concerts, you know, when they win. And, and it's like I can't even really watch it because I look at it and I go, this is their big glory. That's it. A little parade while people shout at you and you squirt them with a squirt gun. I much prefer what the Brazilian soccer team did when they won the World Cup here in the USA. And I watched it, and I remember when they, they granted the World Cup. And the tradition of the World Cup is to lift up the cup and raise it up and then kiss it. And one by one, the first one, Babeto, came and he pulled the cup and he put it down and he said, praise be to Jesus Christ. Right? And then he picked up the cup below him and he kissed it and he handed it and the next guy put it down and he said praise be to the God in heaven one by one glorifying the Lord these are players who know who their God is and won't put anything before it the service to the Lord comes first am I devoted or am I idolatrous and respond listen I'm going to give you the response of the Old Testament and then I'm going to tell you what God is done, doing in you in the New Testament and how many want to hear good news okay let me first give you their response listen to God God's saying I, t- I came to you and then I told you to stand and look at the crossroads and then I told you to ask ask me where's the ancient path where is the good ways and then I told you Walk in them. Live that way. Start moving in that direction. That's the way you want to walk. And he says, and you'll find rest for your souls. It's a promise. You'll have peace in this life. And he says, but you said, we will not walk in it. Ah. I want to be an honest pastor and tell you to be warned of this. You have in your own heart times when you've spoken to God, and so have I, where you may not have seen yourself verbally say this, but the Lord brought something, and you say, I'm not going to walk in it. And the Lord's saying, I hear what you're saying. We will not walk in this. And they were in captivity now for hundreds of years, all the way to the point, really, we got Nehemiah restoring the wall, and he got a few other breakthroughs there, but you basically bring them down to the time of Malachi, and then you have a 400-year of hidden 
the hidden word of the Lord where the Lord's voice becomes silent. And by the way, that last call of the Lord is, put me first in your finances, put me first in your resources, and see if I will not pour out a blessing that will blow you away. That's one of the last things he says before the end of Malachi. And then this big silence comes on. And how many are glad for the grace of Jesus Christ? Because now you're going to get a message that's the same as Ezekiel. Ezekiel is almost verbatim. Ezekiel tells him, you know, Lord, I told them to repent. I told them to do this, and they won't. And then basically God goes, go to the graveyard where their dead bones are and tell them to live because I'm going to take dead people and I'm going to make them alive. How many say amen? How many know that we're sometimes dead in those areas? And we're dead, you know, and this is, this is where the scripture is. And uh, let me say this one last thing here before I go put on the next one and then I'll go to the last scripture. Yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols. Imagine God's dilemma where he looks down at mankind and he shows them the way of life and truth. Oxygen, breathe it. You know what I mean? Don't jump off cliffs, okay? It's going to hurt. And he gives you this advice. And then he says, but they turn to these worthless idols as if it'll produce something, which make them stumble in their ways and in the ancient paths. They made them walk in bypaths. You know what bypath is? It's, 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 I have it written there. It's an indirect route. It's a route that, that kind of goes all the way around to get you to the same place, and sometimes it's cut off. So it's an, it's, it's an indirect path that doesn't necessarily bring you back. It just takes you off on another direction. And roads that aren't built up. In other words, no foundations there. You're just going to sink in it, right? There's a bridge, it may fall. Don't go down that path. Let's, let's go to Jeremiah 32. And I love Jeremiah. I was scared of Jeremiah as a young Christian because I didn't understand the book. But as I've looked at it, it's one of the most generous prophetic books that there is. Hey, Adam. Really like your mohawk. I will give them one mohawk. I'm sorry, one heart. (laughs) In one way that they may fear me forever. Here's Jeremiah, chapter 32 now. We're jumping to the end. Jeremiah has seen this destruction. And now he's going to prophesy. He sees the people of God. And now he's going to be a prophet. And he says, I'm going to give them. Can everyone say, give them? Give them. I'm going to give them. No longer he's telling you, well, try to find it. I hope you find it. He goes, I'm going to give them. Why? Because you're going to see in another scripture here, he says, I'm going to put my spirit in them. How many have the spirit of the Lord in you? I'm going to give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. And then not just a, a fearfulness in that sense, but a respect of God's voice for their own good and the good of their children after them. Don't you want that? Blessings for you and your kids. I will make them an everlasting covenant. Can everyone say Jesus Christ? He is that everlasting covenant. He shall never leave you nor forsake you. That I will not turn away from doing good to them. He's saying, you're not going to be able to turn me away. I'm not going to leave this time. In fact, it's not going to be you bringing your own salvation following just my commandments. But I'm going to bring about salvation through my power and my work. It's going to be my grace that saves them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn away from me. How many need a little bit of fear of the Lord that God needs to deposit in your soul? Come on. Come on. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many are looking for wisdom? The Bible says the fear of the Lord. Listen, why fear everything else? 
you're going to fear something. Why not fear God? That they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land of faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Don't you love that? You know, when God, it's very rare that the Lord says, with all my heart and all my soul. That's, that's usually what he commands us to do. Love me with all your heart and mind and soul. But when God's talking about prospering you with fruitfulness and blessing, he's saying, I want to do it with all my heart and soul. I'm going to bless you. I want to shower you. I want to take care of you. I want to pour out my resources upon you. I want you to find the ancient paths of fruitfulness and walk in them. I want you to fight for righteousness. I want you to see good and do it and live in the land. I want you to take that path. I want you to be teachable. Teach me your ways, Lord. Show me your paths. Guide me in your truths. How many need a little guidance to truth? How many need a little shining of the light toward a good path? You know, I know. I, I meet people that have relationship problems and they look to each other. Oh, Johnny. Oh, Betty. We, we can make this work. Well, that thing's doomed. But you show me a couple who is saying, I turn to God, and they say, and I turn to God. And as you both turn to God, you naturally get closer, don't you? You get closer because God is the center, and he is the life, he is the truth. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to close with this, and come on up. I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to hand it over to you. Father God, I thank you, uh, first of all, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond. You've heard, you've heard the message. I do not want anyone to feel condemned here today. There's no condemnation for you. God didn't come here to condemn you, but to save you. So let that be true to you. God may have challenged you, but he's not going to leave you doing it on your own. He's not going to go, well, you blew it, so now I'm going to hold it against you, and you'll see all kinds of destruction. What he's saying is turn to me. Stand, look at the road. Ask for the ancient paths. If you're that person asking, want to know where the good ways are and you want to walk in it. And you know exactly the Lord brought, the Holy Spirit brought something up in your soul. And please, don't be one of those older Christians that says, I know it already. He's working on you too. Let him bring truth. And you're saying, Lord, I see it. I need to step out in this or I need to stop that. I need to, there's some things you need to shut down so God can open up other doors. You're going to open the door, but the Lord's saying, shut this down first. Shut that down, and I'll open a door that you won't believe.